for today's episode, we've got my little daughter here. She's going to be featuring in on the episode, probably making some comments as well. Do you want to say hi, baby? Hi! <laughs> so, for today's case, um, this one was recommended to me by Sean from The Dark Side of Soul. Very interesting case, so I was digging around for quite a while trying to find what I could on her. Uh, this is the case of the missing toddler, Diane Prevo. She went missing from Grundy Lake Provincial Park in Ontario back in 1966. So this is a case that's about 60 years in the making now. And I want to give Sean a gigantic thank you for recommending this case to me to cover. I had never heard about it until he had mentioned it to me and after he did, like my algorithms on TikTok and everything suddenly became flooded with the information so I scoured as much as I could to figure out as much information as I could. Um, so thank you Sean for introducing me to this case. And I would also like to say before we get into it that Diane's family does have a website. Um, so whenever you type in Diane's name, it's one of the first things that will appear and they give an updated breakdown of everything that happened, what they've done to try to find her. And I think it's ran by her sister, Lies, I think is how you pronounce her name, um, and a friend. So, what baby? I say the Lisa, I think it's Lies, baby. But anyway, if you guys know anything or possibly have any cert a certain lead that you could give, you can go to their webpage. They have some contact information where you can reach out to them because this case is still ongoing and is still active and her family firmly believes that she could still be out there. So without further ado, here we go. We are going to go from the start. So, Diane Prevost was the youngest of four children. She was born January 2nd, 1964. Um, her family lived in Blizzard Valley near Sudbury in Ontario, Canada. Now, her father worked for a mining company that was known as Imco, I believe is what it was called back then. Um, since then, their name has changed. They were bought out by Vale around the start of the 21st century or something like that. Maybe it was actually around 2006 that they bought it, if I was reading correctly. But her father worked as a miner, so every year the family would go and they would vacation at this lake. So when Diane was two, they decided that they were going to take a vacation around the m month of September. It was like mid-September. Uh, now this is uh, the day that Diane goes missing is September 17th of 1966. Um, Diane was known to be a very free-spirited and rebellious type of toddler but then again I feel like just about every toddler in some sense is that way especially when they're reaching those twos because you always hear the phrase terrible twos, terrible threes. They start to become more independent wanting to do things on their own. So on this particular day, young Diane, she was up on the beach, her father was on the deck fishing, and her mother and siblings, uh, some places, some resources that I read said that they were out swimming, others said that they were out looking for frogs in the lake, but Diane was known to have a fear of water, so she would not 
go into the lake. So she stayed on the shore playing in the sand. Now, sometime later in that day, she went up to her father and said that she was tired. She wanted to go back to the campsite where her grandparents were. So her father said to her, okay, I'll take you back, but you're going to have to give me a minute because I've got to untangle the fishing line. So he turns and he starts to untangle the line and anybody that's a parent knows that a lot can happen in the spur of a moment, but you, you do trust your children to kind of sit there and wait and be patient. So he turned his head really quickly to fix the line. He got it all untangled and everything and he turned around and Diane was no longer there. So knowing how his daughter was, he thought that maybe she wandered her way back to the campsite. Um, I mean, it was a beautiful time of year, a beautiful day, and she was known to kind of be a free spirit, as I said, so it was probably about 500 feet from the lake that they were at to the campsite. So he went back to the campsite to talk to the grandparents, see if she was there. Well, she wasn't. The grandparents said that she was not there at the campsite with them. So then panic began to set in. They started to search all over the nearby campground, searching near the woods, calling out her name. They couldn't get anything, no response from her. So not even an hour after them trying to search for her themselves, that's when they started calling the local authorities and the police arrived on scene. Now the father did try to tell them, hey, she's afraid of the water. She's not going to go near the water. But they didn't, they didn't really listen to him. They were searching all over the park. At one point, her father decided to tell them that he thought it would be best if they closed the gates to the park because during this entire search, the gates were still open. So anybody could come in, go out. Um, normally, park people would come and like collect fees at the end of the day or something like that. So it was pretty much an open thing. So anybody with a car had easy access to go in and out and what her father and mother were afraid of was maybe somebody could have snatched her up, put her in a car and ran off with her and possibly head towards the border because he also requested, hey, can you uh, let the authorities know at the borders that we have a missing child? But the authorities were not willing to listen to her father. Um, they said they would find her in the park. Everything would be good. They would find her within that day. Well. 24 hours came and went, and there was no sign of Diane. And her parents, um, Bernard and Claire, they were extremely distraught. Anybody who has dealt with missing children's cases or just a missing person's case in general know that the first 48 hours are very crucial. And with each ticking hour past that, the chances of finding anybody that has been missing become slimmer and slimmer. So naturally, they're very upset, they're very worried, and it seems like the authorities that were there, they weren't willing to listen, they were scouring the lake, even though Bernard said that his daughter could not swim. So they were searching 
for I think about a week day in day out Bernard her father the grandfather at night they would be scouring the woods with flashlights with driving around calling out her name just trying to get her to answer but they could not can my turn now Diane's family they were extremely well known in the area and they were well liked so there wasn't a shortage of people or anything trying to find her like there were plenty of search parties there were local authorities mounties uh, just vigilante groups going out to try to find this young girl but like I said a week came and went and there was no sign of her now the mother Claire after this she refused to go back to the park and I don't I don't blame her personally as a mother that's extremely hard to go back to the place where some trage some sort of tragedy happened especially something where you didn't think anything like that could happen to you I mean nobody expects it to so it's very hard and I I can't imagine the pain that this mother felt but her father on the other hand he would constantly go back go back and forth over the years he was going like daily to find his daughter search the woods until he was just to the point of exhaustion and I should say her father even up until his dying day never gave up hope that he was gonna find his daughter and he would do this so frequently that the authorities eventually told him, hey, you know, go home, we'll keep the search going, we'll keep trying to look for her, if we get a lead, we will let you know. So, yeah, I mean, there was a point in time where they said for six months, even after his daughter went missing, Bernard didn't even really return to work, he was trying everything that he could to find her and it was so frustrating for him because they they had no not like no trace no evidence no proof of anything that happened it was almost like she had up and vanished and this instilled a fear within Bernard and Claire for each unpassing year you know no matter how unlikely it may have been he was still trying to find his daughter and he was so scared that something else was going to happen to his other children so it was difficult for them to really allow them to go anywhere because they did not want to live through the pain of losing another child the way that they lost their daughter Diane now a couple of years later there was breaking news that they had discovered bones in an outhouse that was within the park and immediately the media seemed to jump all over it saying oh this had to be the bones of the missing toddler Diane but when they did the forensic studies on this uh, it showed that these were not the bones of Diane it was the bones of a dog so the, the media and authorities kind of were grasping at straws so it kind of sparked you know new interest for people that did not know about this case to start searching for her again. Now, around the turn of the 2000s, that is when, as I mentioned before, Diane's family started up a web page to help try to find her. So her sister 
Lies is the one that seems to started up this webpage with a friend from what I believe and what I have studied. She never gave up the search for her sister. Her father, like I said, unfortunately did pass away, um, passed away without ever knowing what happened to his daughter and his other daughter Lies took it upon herself to not let Diane's name, you know, just fade to the wind as another missing persons case that it's kind of left on the back burner. So, and you know, through Liza's persistence, they were able to get Diane's case added into a database. They are, you know, still actively looking for her. And she's taken every step that you could possibly think to try to aid in finding her sister. Um, she did hire a um, forensic draw, uh, drawer, people that will do sketches. Because, you know, Diane, when she, she was just two at the time, so this sketch artist drew up sketches showing what they believe Diane's age progression could have looked like when she was like 45 years old, uh, 50 years old, and so on. Um, one of those photos which I did post on the Instagram page, so when I post a new post to let everybody know that the episode is out, I will upload that photo again so people can kind of get a glimpse of what they believe that she could possibly look like now. Um, she also um, did a special on CBC Radio back in 2008 talking about Diane's story and that aired both locally and internationally and did catch the eye of people as well. Uh, friends and family were interviewed in this thing and they created their webpage, they started up this Facebook group, and the whole goal of this was to try to find somebody who may know what happened to Diane, or possibly thinks that they could be Diane, because there are a lot of people that come up and say that they don't know who their identity truly is because they may have been adopted or anything like that, so they were leaving no stone unturned. Um, Lies even went to psychics to try to get some hope to think maybe she could go into the spiritual realm and see if maybe there was some sort of guidance that she could get from there. Um, now the psychic that she spoke with said that she would indeed find her sister. Her sister was alive and well and talked about how the authorities didn't really pay attention in the case. which. I mean, I firmly agree with the fact that the authorities did not pay attention when Diane initially went missing because it seems like they were not willing to listen to her father and her mother and every and everybody around her saying, you know, she wouldn't go into the water, she wouldn't do this, we think we need to do this. Like, they just straight up refused to do anything that the parents wished, so it made the search for her that much more difficult. So, I mean, I know that not everybody believes in psychics, but I feel like it's like a way of reassurance that the family desperately needs, especially all these years of searching for their daughter, for their sister. Now, like I said, with the case, there's, going, there's also going to be some controversy, and I did have to unearth some of this, and I think this is really, really awful what I am about to say, 
So, Lies just trying to find her sister, trying to search for her. She would open up and say, if you believe that you're Diane, please come and talk to us. We can do DNA. We can figure this out. So, you know, tons of women came forth thinking that they could possibly be Diane. And, you know, with each test, a negative after a negative, I feel like the toll just got so bad on lies that she had to eventually stop meeting with these people because she would be the person that met with them. And I'm sure a lot of these women that came forth had very good intentions. But it seems like there was one woman who clearly did not have the best of intentions because around late 2017, early 2018, there was a woman, and I'm just going to say this woman's name because she clearly has no shame on tormenting this poor family. Um, now, her name is Mary Belginer. I really don't care if I mispronounced it because what I'm about to tell you is going to make you feel absolutely repulsed. She came out with this YouTube video that was more so like an ad claiming that she was the missing Diane, saying that she had suffered you know, a life of abuse and had somehow managed to block out the most of it, but had been trying to reach out to the Prevost family for over a year, claiming to be the lost daughter. And literally the ad that I'm talking about had the title, I am Diane Prevost. So she would reach out to Lies and pretty much constantly harass and bully her essentially saying that I'm your long-lost sister why don't you believe me and I've done these DNA tests that show that I am this 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 I I'm your long-lost sister and she made these outrageous claims that she had been kidnapped as a toddler to replace a child that had passed away from this family and she had developed amnesia to who she really was and now everything's just like suddenly coming back to her well, Lee's eventually just told her, you know, okay, well, let's go get a DNA test done. Let's see what it is. Um, but I don't think they ever actually got that DNA evidence. Or they did, and it showed otherwise to what this woman was saying. And the it seemed like this woman was under, like, some suffering from some sort of mental illness... Because she still claimed that she was Diane, even though Lies never got these results back. And eventually things got to the point where even the local authorities were well aware of this woman and said that she had gone down to the place where they were doing DNA tests and was so belligerent, screaming outrageously that she was Diane and that she needed to be believed, like, to the point that she had to be escorted off of the property. And when Lies was asked about this, you know, of course she said, you know, this was all nonsense that she wanted to move past this and try to find her sister because they knew deep down this woman was not her. They had proof showing that this was not her sister, you know, who would do something like this and try to benefit from something as awful as a family's tragedy. So, a few years ago, um, the Ontario Police, they released, um, I think onto YouTube, it's on YouTube, 
uh, lies reading a letter to Diane because, like I said before, they truly believe that Diane could still be alive and out there. They released this during the month of May, which is Missing Children's Month. Um, and I'm going to read um, a snippet from, like a little snippet from this letter. It says, um, Dear Diane, it has been so long since we last saw each other. You probably don't remember me, but I want you to know that there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about you. You were so headstrong, Diane. You didn't wait. Why didn't you wait? Someone was waiting to steal you away from us. Diane, if you read this letter, please know that your real family are still looking for you. You were not given up for adoption. You were taken from us. We want you to come back home, Diane. We haven't lost hope that you're still waiting for us to find you. Till we meet again, little sister. Now, there's not been a whole lot besides, you know, this, what I just mentioned with this woman that has happened with Diane. Like, she just up and vanished that fateful day in 1966, and there has not been a whole lot that I could find that has come to light about this case, but we can only hope with her case getting out there and taking a leap of faith and believing that she definitely could still be alive and out there and somebody just took her for one of their own. That's still an awful scenario to think about, being ripped away from your family, especially as a baby. But we, I definitely applaud this family for holding out hope, especially all these years and still to this very day trying to find her. But to this date, they have not found Diane. There's not been much that has come from them trying to find her, but my heart reaches out to them. I do hope that they can find her. Um, the website that you can go to is, uh, I think it's just Diane Pro, uh, Diane Provo Info. And like I said, you can Google Diane Provo's name and it's one of the first things that pop up. And they've got contact information where you can reach out if you do have any tips. You can also, um, email them at mail at Diane Provo, in, uh, dot info. You can also contact the Ontario Provincial Police, or you can also call Crime Stoppers as well if you have any kind of tips, any kind of possible lead that could help this family be reunited with their daughter. And as I said, um, I will upload onto my Instagram pictures showing, you know, young Diane and what they think Diane looks like to this day. Now, one thing to note that Diane did have some scars on her. So on one of her feet, she did have some stitching that was done because of an accident that she had due to her being as headstrong and independent as she was. And on the opposite knee, it was said that she had like this little indentation type of scar from where she was hit because of a hot iron. Um, so those are some physical attributes on Diane that 
they noted um, when she did go missing, she was wearing red and blue checkered uh, top, like a red and blue checkered top and pants. Um, she has um, brown eyes and brown hair, and of course at the time she was three foot tall when she went missing and around 25 pounds, so I will upload photos of what she looked like then. I'll upload photos as well of what they believe she could look like today. Let's do what we can to try to bring this beautiful daughter and sister back home to her family and give them the closure that they so rightfully deserve because this case has been years in the making and I can't imagine that type of pain that that family has to endure. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. Once again, if there's anything that definitely needs some correction or anything that you would like to add on, please feel free to contact me. You can reach out to me at manicmannerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me through Facebook and Instagram at manicmannerpodcast and through Patreon as well if you feel so inclined, but as always, not necessary. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you in the next episode.